see you coming back in here with fucking jumpsies. I want to see you coming back in here with bloodstained jumpsies, man. Look at anybody going sitting up a pint with those boys after that. And the referee is looking around and acting as Mickey. Tell the children to play tennis or something. If they want to play tennis, go and play tennis. What's the one thing about a three-man weave that all Gaelic footballers know, Gary? There's three people in it. There's three people in it, Gary, but you never know who the other two people in it is going to be because all you do is you go behind the goals, you get the ball back, you run round to the 45, you go again, next three up, whoever they are. And this is a brand new season of the three-man weave, but I am joined by two completely different people, Gary Connaughton and PJ Brown, joining me, Mark Fardy, because Morris and Mick are away for various different reasons. Mick's off, and Morris has gone to Australia. We have sent him. We have sent the fox into the hen house, lads. He, we have sent, sent Morris to go recruit AFL players to come back here and play Gaelic football. I, I believe he already has in motion a deal to swap Mark O'Connor and Stefano Cumbar and Kerry get Patrick Dangerfield. There's a swap Exclusive. deal. Yeah. And then Morris, that wasn't part of the plan. They're not swapping anyone for us when they're taking the likes of uh, Cahill McShane, possibly. Um, like, we, the whole thing is that Gaelic GA players aren't getting anything in return. What Which are we will, using to tempt them over here is the question I want to know. Uh, why, why wouldn't you want to live in Kerry? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Cavan, lake for, every, or lake for every day of the year. Yeah, they're just sick. Westmead, the lake county. They're just sick of the heat, maybe. Yeah. yeah, so look, lads, it's a brand new season here at the Three Man Weave. It's a brand new season of GAA. The Alliance Leagues are back. There's a lot to get through. We have a big agenda here, right? I'm going to go through a list of a lot of the, uh, some of the stuff that we hope to get through in the next 45 minutes to an hour. First of all, we're going to be talking to Pat Hughes from Sligo. Sligo had their first win in 18 months after defeat in London at the weekend. PJ, I sort of... Uh, I don't know what the word is here. I barreled in on your interview with uh, Pat, decided I was going to sit in on it. I welcomed you in. The I, I, I welcomed you. I think you were very unfair to yourself there, Mark. Yeah. Well, that's all right. But then once I know I was a welcome guest on the you, podcast you, you or on the interview that you had a guest already on. Um, but we'll be talking to Pat Hughes later on in the show about Sligo's win, their trip to London, and a new, uh, a new business that he set up with uh, one Killian O'Connor. Yeah, that's interesting. He was, he was a teacher at one stage in South Killian Collar and another guy whose name David Butler. David Butler. David Butler. Former underage Connacht player, as yeah. was Pat, uh, Connacht rugby player. But uh, we've got a lot more on the agenda as well. Dublin Kerry, obviously, lads, I think has to be top of the bill. There's loads to get through in that. Uh, the Mark, obviously, there's been lots to talk about it um, in the build-up. I don't. There hasn't been much controversy so far with it, but we'll have plenty to chat about, I think, since the weekend. The RTE studio, uh, which looks... <laughs> Like they're uh, they've they've moved to some sort of football stadium that is completely out of the size of a football stadium. Anyway, it's like I don't know what to describe it like the the a set of Star Trek. It it, it it's the same presumed same studio they were using during the Rugby World Cup, and there is some kind of blue screen. But whatever they have chosen for that background, it's. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the setting was on like the blue screen. <laughs> yeah, let's go with this one. It let's look, go with airplane hangar. Yeah, and we'll have like Commander Cusack and uh, Lieutenant Terrell sitting yeah, on the couch here. We were area. just expecting Mayday, Mayday. Joe Brawley has entered the studio or something to come up during the <laughs> <From> 500 yards <laughs> down, the, down the far corner. I also, I also thought someone said it looks like, it looks like they're under, sitting under like a sinkhole. They're in some kind of giant plumbing structure. <laughs> Mole people. Uh, this has moved to the top of the agenda, I see. Um, like, the other thing is, the screen was so small. When they're showing like, the, you know, the cutback studio after the yeah. height, it's like, if you have such a big room, why is the TV screen so small? And then I realised, wait, no one's... Well, it's and probably the, the size of the room we're in here, I'd say, yeah? Yeah, true. Uh, also, the, the Hurling League is back. After taking a year out, uh, Division 1 of the Hurling League is back with a bang. Uh, Cork, Waterford, great game. Tipperary and Limerick, a great game on Saturday night as well. Uh, 
Mark, one of the things I have noticed, I, I hit me there this morning while I was thinking about Tipperary and uh, Limerick. A new GA cliche. Maybe I'm late to this. Maybe it's been around for a while. But I think it's the, they're not long back from the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this is the, like when you were talking about like Tipperary, the performance Tipperary put in in the second half. And people say, yeah, but uh, we were good there in the first half. But they tired there in the second half. Sure, they're not long back from the holiday. Same thing said about Dublin. Like it was like good performance in Dublin and they're not long back from the holiday. <laughs> no, so it can be used to say there was much more, a lot more potential in this team or to explain a bad performance. <laughs> also, I think Colin works out at the weekend that the only place Dublin haven't been on holiday uh, come to this point is the moon. <laughs> I would also like to point out, Kerry, you're not long back from a holiday. <laughs> it's a, like all good GA cliches, it means nothing really because it can be used as a good thing or a bad thing or is nothing at all. So Yeah, when I start using that excuse myself when uh, you don't do it, <laughs> you're in work and it's like, Mark, why have you that report on my desk? I'm oh, sorry, I'm not long back from the holiday. Uh, it was just Christmas there not that long ago. Uh, but we'll have plenty much more besides coming up on the podcast later on and any other business. We'll also have the return of our 30 second whinges. If you have not subscribed yet, be sure to do so. You can find us by searching balls.e podcast on all good podcast apps or if you just want the GA stuff, you can search GA and Ball Study in any podcast app and you'll find us there. Uh, you mentioned Kerry in Dublin not being back from the holiday, PJ, or not being long back from the holiday. They, they served up a hell of a game. It was, it was I, I was at the game and it was, never before have I gotten home from a league game and thought, I need to watch this immediately. Like, I need to watch it on TV immediately because it was, uh, it was such, a, it was a unexpectedly good game for a league game. You don't expect that level of match because it really felt like it meant something there right at the end. You could see because, I mean, like the, the way the players reacted at the end uh, that it, it really, it felt like something was on the line even though, well, like it wasn't really. There was probably more on the line for Kerry there at the end, I think, than Dublin that psychologically get, not losing probably was uh, like a big deal for them, actually getting, and getting like a decent result against Dublin. Have Dublin, uh, like... What, why were Dublin panicking so much towards the end? They're not, I don't know if the word is panicking, but they just seem to lose the mind and start to get extremely cynical for no reason whatsoever. Like I know Kerry uh, were only within that point, but like Dublin could have kept the ball. They could have, like they did it so well to actually get the before they got the point to get in the lead, where they held up the you know the, it's nearly the shot clock where they played it down before they got the score. But then just foul after foul, and then to kick the ball away as well. It was it Scully decided to kick the ball with it, that ended up getting it brought forward. 13 metres as well. I don't know. They seem to just panic a little bit, which is never, you never see that from the Dubs. And this is the first game of the league. Well, look, I suppose they're not long back from a holiday. But uh, <laughs> I know, like, I think, I don't know if they were panicking. I think Dublin kind of wanted to lay down America in the second half a little bit to still remind Kerry and everyone else that they're still the, the top dogs in the game. Like, even after Dublin won the five in a row last year, everyone was nearly talking about Kerry more after the All Ireland final and how they were coming for Dublin. So I think Dublin did want to kind of lay down a bit of American. There was a bit of cynicism and that sort of stuff in it, but it kind of disrupted the flow of the game a bit in the second half as well. Which after the first half was like manic, but it was still a great game. Like especially at the way it ended as well. So yeah, it was fourteen cards I think in the second half, which is an incredible amount. I mean, even in that so much disruption, it was there was still entertainment. There, there is entertainment in that kind of niggle between players. And like, if this is just like a trailer for what's to come in the rest of the year, I mean, like you, you're thinking like, I, I have to see this. Like, yeah. th- th- this is like the summer blockbuster we, we've got coming here. Definitely, this is the start. Like, what well, I suppose last year was the start, but we didn't realise it, of a mm. new rivalry, of a new Dublin Kerry rivalry could go on for another few years. Uh, 
there were Dublin I suppose the, the one benefit they had is that they have a couple of different players that have come through including Prince Harry who came on <laughs> and scored a lovely point near the end what's what Prince Harry's actual name I can't remember. Uh, Aaron Burr. Correct. I, I only Correct. I only know him as Prince Harry now, yeah. and I will forever know him as Prince Harry. I assume everyone's going to know him as that from now on. But uh, yeah, he was good when he came on. He was really good. He was. Um, I think he was captain of the Dublin Under Twenty Ones in twenty seventeen. Yeah, he got Player of the Year, didn't he? he I can't. Right. I'm actually not sure now about that. Yeah, he might have done. It was something on commentary anyway. They were saying that. I can't remember right. what the exact was, but he he was even a Fianna player. So yeah. obviously, Desi Farrell would know him. Kind of, quite well he he looks really good he looks um comfortable on the ball he's really quick he looked like there was a couple of moments there where he had to carry defense in in a bit of bother and i think we could see him a good bit of prince harry a little bit more like come it's, summer, a, yeah. it's always a good trade for a dublin player to have if they're not afraid to rattle the royals a bit so hey. <laughs> uh, and also uh, McHugh obviously has been around um the panel for a couple of years and bugler uh sean bugler must have broke the record for the amount of times someone has come on and off the pitch in a game of football. It was, it was incredible. He, was a, he came on in the first minute, I think, as a, he was a blood sub for Niles Scully. Yeah. He came on as a blood sub for James McCarthy. He came on as a blood sub, was it McCarthy again? Or Scully again? Scully, had, Scully was on and off, like, God knows what, in the first half. Every time he came back on, he just, he just had to go back straight off again. So Then he came on in the second half as what seemed like a proper sub for Kevin McMenamin. And then he was taken off again at the end. Yeah, it's the first time we've seen a sub taken off for reasons that he'd probably played so many minutes that he he'd hit his stats at the GPS and then like, you're off shot. And then you had James McCarthy had what three different jersey numbers? I, I think he started off with five, then he had thirty, and then he had twenty seven. Yeah, and was it Niles Scully changed his as yeah, well? I think he had three as well. So I was wondering with Desi Farrell after he made the twenty six subs against Longford in the Auburn Cup, is there maybe like a jersey number quota that he's trying to hit in each game? <laughs> Obviously he was limited by the subs in this one, but I think that might explain it maybe. We'll have to keep an eye on that yeah. one for the rest of the league, I think. Yeah. Developing trend. Uh, Scully and Scully clashed heads, it was with Sean O'Shea at the throw right, up right at the start, yeah. Who was there because he was in midfield. Hmm. That's an interesting development. I don't know are you losing too much from having O'Shea in the half forward lane if you bring him back out to midfield or is there a potential there to gain something? I think there's definitely it's, it's worth looking at because he's, he's a real athlete. He can get up and down no problem. Um, and you would be getting him on as much ball as possible I think is a good thing. It would also like open up another space in the half forward line for Kerry and then because it is it's a, like getting into that Kerry forward line is it's not easy and there are a lot of like good young players coming through. So if you have like the, the possibility of you could put James O'Donoghue into into centre forward, that could be interesting. Then you can play like Killian Spillane can have a spot in the full forward line. Then, so I think it's interesting in that like it opens up other possibilities. And also like Liam Carney came on for Adrian Spillane got injured, and uh, Liam Carney came on at midfield. He looks like another like really good option for for carrying midfield because Dave Moore is out for until. In the market, he's out for he's out for the league pretty yeah. much. So we saw like and Jack Barry is wasn't there as well. So Kerry have really expanded their midfield options. Carney was the Kerry minor captain in 2014. He'd been kind of he's on like the when they won the minor in 2014 and kind of on the fringes of the panel. So I think he's about 23 now and he looked really good. Like didn't look out of place at all. Like yeah. I, I think he kicked the point as well. We're going to have to move off um, Dublin and Kerry uh, shortly because there's so much to get through. But we cannot leave this conversation without mentioning David Clifford's goal. And the the so like it just created out of nothing. But what I want 
there's a, I was discussing one of the lads at the weekend. Is it, he solos he solos with his left onto his right hand, left foot, right hand, left foot, right hand, and one that was arguing that that's kind of actually him just being a bit awkward. That sometimes you know his kick, you know, loopy solos. That it's it's not something he meant. I was thinking that it was that he meant this, and this is just, it. Completely puts like if you're a defender, you're like this is not what you're supposed to be. I don't. Like, it, kept, it keeps looking like he's you don't know which way he's going to go because it's like he's throwing a dummy when it goes. The ball's going diagonally up, back up rather than straight up. It was a hell of a goal. It was a especially because David, David Byrne looked like he was doing really well on Clifford just just like not long before that he had blocked down yeah. a point at him you're thinking God Byrne has maybe not getting the better at Clifford here but like this is going to be like a real battle but when Clifford scored a goal he made it look so easy it was like he, he was like him being back at minor level do you remember like the, the, the minor final against Derry when he absolutely destroyed <laughs> oh, yeah. him it was, it was like that the way he was he was this man against these kind of boys but he's, he's actually this 21 year old out there and he he made it. He made it look so easy, and it was such a comfortable kind of uh, calm finish as well. Yeah, it was a like when he as captain, he kind of will lead by his actions. I think, yeah. and when you see someone doing that, like making scoring a goal like that, everyone else kind of wants to step up to that kind of level. Then you're talking about this like diagonal solos. Oh, did he do that to throw off the defender? I don't think he thinks about anything like that when he's playing. It just looks like he's such a natural footballer is all off instinct like he's able to just yeah he doesn't think about that he just gets the ball and he's like right how am I going to get it in I'm going to go carry this for 15 yards and bury it in the back and I don't care how he gets there yeah so. It's, it's so nonchalant it, it was <laughs> kind of like I suppose I have to have a solo here and I'll yeah. have another one which way would I go left would I go right um, yeah maybe I'll go in right I might as well stick this in the back of the net grand there's a goal and <laughs> just off back out ready for the kick out so but. also I think we're going to talk about his point at the point at the end that the, the real balls yeah, like, like it, because there was three Dublin players standing in front of him trying to put him off. The I've seen there's a brilliant picture on Sportsfile of just like the not like the height he got in the ball was incredible. I was like we were directly behind it, and it starts out outside the post and it curves back in. And it's way in the air, but the picture shows him how high in the air he is going when he kicks his it. foot is it, over his head. It, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's like worth looking at. We should put that on Instagram, I think, actually. Let's do uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having a social media meeting in the podcast. Sinead is our sound woman here on Telestock, but she's gone to hear Beyonce. 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 New girl. Beyonce. Beyonce's not his wife. Is that what you're saying? Beyonce. So Sinead has gone to hear Beyonce. 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 Well, there's obviously new new girl and that. Beyonce is playing. Who's, who's he? Good night, Bianca. Yeah, we'll all say the same. Good night, Bianca. Bianca. Yeah, baby. <laughs> emotional. Very we'll emotional. Very emotional. <laughs> and I hope it doesn't happen to Bianca. Lads, we need to talk about the mark. Um, and we're going to talk about it specifically when we're talking about Dublin Kerry. Kieran Kilkenny's incredible mark and the fact they just decided to take over the game uh, for the last 10 or 15 minutes it dragged Dublin back into it and that was preceded that preceded an interview where uh, he was looking forward to everything he's looking forward to the league he's looking forward <laughs> to the new rules we're going to talk about them now in a sec the mark he's looking forward to, to playing with them it's something different he's looking forward to the winter um, I don't know why. even the winter is over yeah. now. I have some bad news for you Kieran. <laughs> but uh, he was a perfect example of the mark the way it should work as in caught, caught an incredible ball above his head uh, got just dessert 
Dertford got to be able to take got to take the free, score the point. The same with Paul Ganey as well. Um, although I think Ganey didn't end up taking the no, Killian Bland ended up taking it because the, I thought it was a little bit strange because it's supposed to be that somebody else gets to take the the, the mark in exceptional circumstances. It has to be exceptional circumstances for somebody other than who was caught caught the mark to take it so apparently your boot falling off is exceptional circumstances I suppose you only have 15 seconds to take it so he was like am I going to get the boot back on inside 15 seconds I to be think. fair like I presume Sean Hurston wanted to get the yeah. game like get, get it moving again like yeah uh, but then you'll see with Michael Murphy the kind of example <laughs> of what this mark is probably going to end up in more like as yeah. Sean Cavanagh was saying on RT it's probably 80% of the time it's going to be these little pop passes into someone's chest and they've got a handy point. I don't know. I, like, is the time for a thirty-second whinges? Actually, I'm going to I'm going to insert my thirty-second whinge here. Right? Okay. He's ready. Does somebody want to count me in? Okay. Three, two, one, go. Right. I'm. I was sick to the teeth of people deciding to give out about the mark or just like getting so angry about the mark before the season even started. People on Twitter going like, this is such a stupid rule. It's brought in just to appease pundits and the GA making rules at the whim of, a, of pundits. Says a pundit on Twitter, <laughs> like whatever. But the mark might turn out to be a disaster. But at least let's play a bit for a while and see what it turns out to be. And if we have to make changes, maybe we make changes that it has to be caught above your head rather than a chest level. Look at the way the Premier League sure it's a farce this season. Time. Far. Yeah, you see what I mean. I my favorite. I think my favorite subgenre of podcasting is Mark Fardy giving out about people giving out. <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot. <laughs> but I get what you're. I get your point. To be fair, I, I, I like how Mark in, in like is. Mark doesn't build up the anger. Mark starts at like 11. <laughs> your, your anger level starts at 11 and then you've got nowhere to go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting to see, can he maintain it? Yeah, it was basically, like, I, my anger was building up as I was just trying to discuss the Mark, having a normal conversation. We just needed to get my 30 second whinge off the chest. Uh, and now we can move on in life. On, on the Mark, I think the, the one Connor Turbot caught for, was, I think it was Rhian O'Neill played this brilliant pass. It was a good bit above his head. That in the with uh, Conor Turbot for uh, Armagh against Cavan. Yeah, I thought we weren't going to talk about Cavan. I thought we agreed that there was too much Cavan talk in this podcast. I so. think we. I'd like to talk about Cavan this time. <laughs> I think we have to talk about in, in respect of how badly they lost against Armagh. Uh, look, Conor Turbot. Though let's yeah, let's focus on Armagh at this discussion. Conor Turbot is looks unbelievable. He scored. He made his debut actually against Cavan. McKenna Cup and scored two goals. Mm. Going into this year, everyone was talking. Obviously, Reno Neal had a brilliant year last year. That Armagh forward line, but. Oshin O'Neill had missed, his brother had missed um, the championship with injury. So there were a lot of people kind of in the know going, oh, don't worry about Reen. It's, it's Oshin O'Neill leading paying attention to the winter this season. He had a brilliant night, Saturday night as well. But all of a sudden, Conor Torbert's come out of nowhere. And like, I might have more forwards than the rest of some, a lot of counties put together. Yeah. Yeah. Conor Torbert got one six from play. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, well, one of those should have, well, one of them was a mark. That was, was whether we count those from play or not. No, I'm not sure. You don't. I, I, I don't think you <laughs> no do. Way. Like, yeah. So we, we, we said you one six in play, but um, one or two of those were a mark. There was also but, one where he called a mark and just turned around and played on. The, yeah, that that was like the, the referee should have uh, whistled. He he put his hand in the air. Yeah, the, the referee should have whistled there. I think if you actually play on, then it's a technical foul. I think the ball gets thrown up. I'm, I'm not sure exactly was, what happens there yeah. if you play. If you call a mark. You then you can't play on. I wondered was it, it seemed to be just at the forty five as well? Did he doubt he called it and then realised maybe this isn't at the forty five? It looked or, to me like it was it was outside. But also then Parry Fortner was trying to block him down, and it's like well, if this was actually if he had played on and decided not to take the mark, I don't think Parry Fortner was allowed to do that for no. four steps. So it's this that's where the confusion about the marks going to be going to come in. But the one he caught the pass from Reno Neal, it was it was incredible. It was the kind of like 
what people think should be rewarded by the mark that, that yeah. kind of ex- exceptional high catch like spectacular and you're like we want more like more of that in the game and we want it rewarded if it, if it was more like that then i think everyone would say yeah th- this this is great it really adds something to the game but like we said it's probably going to be more like the 20 meter pop pass to michael murphy and he sticks it over the bar like yeah Hurling is hurling, lads. Brand new season, but it's still hurling. Uh, what a game! Like two really enter- entertaining games, but both with Limerick and Tipperary on Saturday, and then Cork and Waterford kind of sprung out of nowhere. Both teams missing a lot of their players, but uh, two early goals for Cork. Then Waterford just came steaming back into it. Though Cork had to end up with a lot of wides. I think sixteen wides in total. Which is an incredible amount. They um, Waterford had a lot of like a lot. Their young players look really good. There was especially uh, Kieran Bennett, and J- who was playing at wing forward, and uh, Jack Fagan, who was playing uh, at centre forward. The uh, both of them scored two incredible sideline cuts, which I wanted to see replays of at the time. But for some reason, whoever was running the GA social media account didn't put them out there. I don't know how you you feed those things. Nah, nah, nah. No, nobody needs to feed those again. But yeah, Waterford, I think, will be like really happy with that game because. Cork were probably slightly stronger, but like I say, both both were missing players. But like two kind of new manager, well, Kieran Kingston in his second term, Liam Cal is first, like he is like his first term as Waterford manager. I think the two of them would be like really happy. There was a bit of experimentation from Cork as well. I think they had um, Mark Coleman in midfield and Dara Fitzgibbon at centre forward, and like despite that, missing all those players and experimentation, it was a really entertaining game. Like it was, uh, you, you t- it looked like early on, like you're like, oh, well, this is it. like Cork of this one, like two goals in the first three minutes. Yeah. It's, it's done and dusted here. Then like Waterford come back into it. They're leading at half time and Cork nearly maybe should have drawn at the end with like Shane Kingston's effort. Yeah. The, the other thing, one of the favorite sides to it that I enjoyed was uh, the camera cutting to Karen Kingston on the sideline halfway through the second half. And him randomly just still standing there managing as normal, but he has his right hand out and he's getting iced by the physio. <laughs> so I want to know what happened. He, was this in the first half or second half? Second half. He definitely bet the table in the dressing room at halftime, 100%. <laughs> it must have been. <laughs> There's no other way that he could have got that injury. Yeah. Uh, with Cork, though, with the footballers obviously the night before, beat awfully. Um, they, it was a close game up until the second half, then they kind of pulled away. But it's just so odd looking at Parky Cueve on the television and the three stands that are the t- uh, that the TV cameras fighting out to are all completely empty. <laughs> the two and a half thousand at it? Yeah, I, I think it was a double header with the, the, ladies, with the, with the yeah. ladies for the first time. Yeah, they, they, ladies were playing beforehand. They, that was their first time playing a competitive game at, at uh, Parky Cueve. But yeah, it, it doesn't look great when you've got so few people in there. And maybe, like, those games would be better off at Parky Rin. Well, it's more why aren't, like, what, like, who are we to sit here and just give out? You need Cork football fans, you need to get out and support the team. But how are there only two and a half thousand people at a Cork 
football game. Division three, I suppose. They're not used to being down that low. Yeah, the, the thing is though, there is more of a like despite that they are in Division three, but there is more of optimism Bones. about Cork football this year than there was last year because like they won the minor All Ireland, they won the under twenty All Ireland. They they've they've lots of like really exciting young players. Someone like Kieran Sheen is back. Yeah. you're like, why isn't there more excitement about it? And also like the. It's not like people are thinking, oh, it's going to be a terrible night. Like Parky Keeve, the, the pitch is bad. The pitch looked on the pitch looked really good. I thought that uh, John Mon said that he wished he had turned up in his slippers. <laughs> <laughs> also, we were saying yesterday, PJ, that Division Three in the football could be the most entertaining division in the whole in the whole league. Footballer, like the, if you look at the table, there could be anybody. You wouldn't be surprised to see anybody get promoted or anybody get relegated. Maybe with the exception of Cork getting relegated. But you have like Cork, Longford, Derry, Leitrim, Tip, Down, Loud and Offaly. Any of them could beat the other one on the day. Like. And on top of that, if you go up, you're guaranteed a place in Sam Maguire. Yeah, so that's yeah. Uh, one to keep an There's eye on. So, there is so year. much spice about that, uh, about that division this year. There's absolutely... Like, I mean, I was thinking of this even for Division 2 because you have the same with the battle for relegation because you don't want to get um, down into Tier 2 for the come championship. That there should nearly be a, a show just dedicated, like maybe like the so-called weaker podcast. As we <laughs> like to, it's not by name, but still by nature. Um, that you just dedicate to those two divisions because there's going to be so much going on in them. And I mean, Leitrim getting that draw against Derry away from home, which a game that they could have won. I think Derry came back just at the end. And then up in Division 2, we've got Leash coming up and they're drawing with Roscommon with two late goals. So there's... Westmead beating Clare with the last kick of the game, don't forget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Westmead beating Clare. West, the Westmead agenda in this podcast. The Westmead podcast. agenda. It's a and massive match between Westmead and Cavan now next week. Oh, well, we're talking about that elephant in the room, are we? Yeah, we're not going to talk about it yet. We'll be talking about it on the, on the build-up podcast on Wednesday, but we build up to next week against GA. Actually, this is about reviewing, Gary. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I'll let you have the, your Westmead win this week uh, speaking of Westmead or speaking of you it's time for your 30 second winch are you ready winch. Okay. I'm going to count you in 3, 2, 1 well it's the first weekend of the league just gone by it's a new season a new season of uh, the three man weave so I'm going to start with the oldest complaint in the GA about ticket prices so last weekend to get into the West again Westmead Westmead and Clare game in Cusick Park was 20 euro for, for what it was one game there was no double header 20 euro I believe I seen people tweeting in the Roscommon and Leash game was the same also 20 euro to get in uh, someone said that they I can't remember who tweeted it but they said they went up to the, uh, pay for the ticket the lad was like Jesus it's hard expensive to get in here today isn't it as he took the 20 euro <laughs> off him so that's uh, my range time's up yeah, I, I I was at Crow Park on Saturday evening. We paid fifteen euros. It was a well, it could it was a triple header. <laughs> they were they were they were two, there was a junior the junior club final and the intermediate club final was on before Dublin versus Kerry. And if you bought them online before the game, fifteen euros. Now I imagine it could have been fifteen to get into the terrace in Mullingar right. okay. and twenty for the stand. But stand. even so, but yeah. like the stand probably wouldn't even everyone that was there probably wouldn't have even filled the stand. So I don't know. Uh, your 30 second winch, Peter. Do you want to be counted in? Uh, Three, yes. two, one, go. My 30 second winch is about the man who was sitting behind me at Crow Park <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> evening because I, my girlfriend restrained me from turning around to him and uh, giving out to him at the time. It, he, uh, <laughs> PG, sorry, I can't interrupt. Go, go, go. <laughs> I deserve an extra 10 seconds here. Yeah, go uh, on. He, was, he didn't like the, the refereeing. He uh, carried players fouling a lot. Why wasn't the referee booking him? You wouldn't know booking for the uh, for <laughs> for these Kerry players, but at the time the referee had just handed out two bookings. <laughs> <laughs>
it, it really annoyed me and I didn't get to give out about it at the time so I am taking this time to give out about it now no, I was going to say that I liked how you were like and nearly it stopped me from turning around and giving out from it <laughs> so I had to restrain myself so I should tell him not to in certain words <laughs> got distracted a bit from the hurling there when we started off with ticket prices and uh, people not showing up to call football games uh, Limerick and Tip another massive game on Saturday night nine points down Limerick where to come back to actually win it then nine points down at half time and again going back, back, back to the holiday the commentators were like Jeez, the holiday hasn't affected tip now, but then the second half it very much has. It caught up with them, <laughs> caught up with them in the end. But it yeah, jeez, it was it was some comeback from Limerick. Like, they scored two savage goals there in the second half to get them back into it, and they held on well. Tip did seem to run out a bit of steam, but definitely encouraging for Limerick anyway. It, it, it looked as simple as Limerick just worked harder in the second half. Yeah. Like, they didn't didn't bother, they didn't turn up in that first half. I don't. They were often like. Sometimes GA analysis can be very simplistic as in, you know, they were hungrier in the second half. I'm sure there was more to it than that. There, there were tactical adjustments. Limerick brought on, I think it was William O'Donoghue who came on as a, as a sub. He kind of, that like changed the game a bit. They brought on a few subs. But it did look as simple as a lot of it was that Limerick just worked harder in the second half. Okay? Key Lynch as well. There's a brilliant, I saw someone tweet out a clip of him. Uh, no hurl. So he decides to flick the letter up into his hand on the run and then hand pass it off like that man is just a, a walk in highlights reel even in the last <laughs> weekend of January I know it's amazing without her like how could like, who would even I, I don't know who would even think of doing that but there you go that's Keane Lynch isn't it can we talk about uh, Kilk- Kilkenny and Dublin as well because Dublin were awful <laughs> I mean they were absolutely terrible Kilkenny were missing so many players that you and with that Nolan Park but you still thought Dublin have a chance here really have a chance and they did not turn up at all I mean, like, they showed a little, uh, there was a highlights clip of how bad Dublin were on the Sunday, on the, on League Sunday last night. And it was just simple things. It wasn't just like, uh, it was just awful passing. Just like balls being hit out over the sideline. Terrible, like, puck outs just, like, going over players' head. And Kilkenny were missing uh, a lot of, players, like, obviously their Ballyhale players. The Tullerone player, like, Pardee Walsh was missing as well. Young Tommy Walsh was missing. Um, you thought, like... Don't have an opportunity here, but no, it was like, oh, Kilkenny, not long back, not, not long back from the holiday. <laughs> but some lads still on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they, they didn't seem victim at all. They were just like, they, they were down, they were down to 14 men for 45 minutes. <laughs> and Dublin still, like you expect like Dublin to like come and like uh, lift themselves a little bit. Like you think, oh, we have a real opportunity here. No, it was just like, it, it was such a strange game from a Dublin point of view. I, I like, I'd, I'd say Maddie Kenny is absolutely furious. I think Kilkenny will be going all out to win the league this year. Brian Cody even said it after the game. He was like, we want to win the league this year because they want to kind of get over the bit of a hammer they got off tip last year. So yeah. I think uh, I think they'll be going flat out to win the league this year, which probably, maybe well, Dublin were bad, but I think Kilkenny were very good as well. So Yeah, I, I wonder what like uh, not being the, hol- like, being the holiday means for a Kilkenny player as well. You know, it's like they probably... They eat their spuds with a knife and fork rather than their hurley, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there we have it, the line of the day. <laughs> As well, just before we move off, uh, awfully, I don't know if it's like they beat me, but they stumbled to a win over Mead. Uh, they were actually well up at half time. They scored 18 points in the first half, only scored eight in the second half. Porico Halloran scored 112 for Mead. Wow. So, like, it's good that Offaly are back to winning ways for them, but at the same point, and, and me, there are no walkovers. They never have been a pushover, but 
you just wonder did they, did they seem to just sort of limp across the line well the end? look Mark as a Westmead man I take no pleasure in the fact that Westmead are in Division 1A for the first time since 1987 in the hurling and awfully are lingering down there but uh, yeah, no pleasure whatsoever <laughs> they weren't uh, they weren't great and but like it doesn't really shouldn't be a surprise anymore but awfully because they're just they've been falling out for quite a while so I've dived it like Michael Fenley gone in there you you would have expected yeah that's so what I would have expected yeah. now it could be a case that they kind of froze near the finish line maybe they're not black from the holiday long back from the holiday <laughs> their legs but uh, it would be interesting to keep an eye on them it's, that's going to be very competitive league if to try and get back up in it me well. nearly won it me, yeah. me the chance right at the end yeah yeah so like don't could it be one, one well worth keeping an eye on there's me, lots of- meet our Joe McDonough team awfully our Christy Ring team should we be surprised yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> big win for awfully upset well done uh, <laughs> Uh, we uh, have lots more to get through uh, over the coming weeks. There's so many different storylines, different teams that we haven't even had time to uh, chat about this week, but we will over the coming weeks, including a lot of the them teams down in the uh, lower divisions of the Hurling as well. But up next, we're going to be talking to Pat Hughes from Sligo. As I mentioned earlier on the show, if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, be do be sure to do so. You can find us by searching Boz.e podcast on all good podcast apps. We will be back later on in the week uh, with the Build Up podcast on Boz.e in association with Labrox. So we'll be getting you hyped for the Sporting Weekend and included in that will be a preview of the GAA weekend of the Alliance League games to come, including that humdinger of Westmead against Cavan. We'll be playing oh. guess the handicaps, and I think it'll be PJ going against Gary this week. So it'll be an interesting one. PJ, the reigning champion, having beaten me last week. Uh, but until next time, mind yourself, and here's our chat from earlier on with Pat. Nobody counted this in all year. The media. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Pat, you're first win in 18 months with Sligo must must pr- feel pretty good this morning ah look yeah it's nice to it's nice to get a win and I suppose it's been at <laughs> 18 months now since we've had a competitive win so um, yeah look it's a nice it's a nice feeling and I suppose it's something that we've we've looked at a lot during pre-season we're kind of getting off track with Sarah this year so it's um, yeah nice one now this morning I'll definitely was, was that something you kind of felt it was hanging over you a little bit that you hadn't won like uh, hadn't won uh, like a league or championship game, game in that long Look, last year, I suppose when you go through it, when you go through a season without a competitive win, it is, um, it does, it does begin to weigh in you. Particularly, we had, we had quite a young panel like last year. We would have had a really, really young panel. A lot of inexperience there as well. Um, so kind of as that goes on, it does, um, it does begin to take a toll. But I think, like, I think I, you have to give a lot, a lot of credit to a lot of our younger players who bounced back really well last year. Like week after week, we were kind of coming up. A little bit short with some games where we're just kind of losing by a point here, a point there, and um, for a young teams kind of keep bouncing back and putting in pretty good performances every week, um, and then bouncing back again, coming back into preseason this year, and, and kind of looking looking forward to this year's league with a positive attitude. I think tells a lot about the group. So from that point of view, um, it probably it might have even brought brought the group closer in some respects, but. Um, yeah, it does. It does. It does definitely take a little bit of a toll. So it was something that we would have, we would focused on getting off to a, getting off to a good start this year. You bagged yourself a couple of goals, and the team overall got five goals. Is that something that was pre-planned that you've been working on in uh, the pre-season, or is it just by chance that it happened to all come together? Yes, no. five of them. No, I was just uh, yeah, it was just by chance. Um, I looked at uh, someone someone sent us out there last night that we scored five goals in last year's league altogether and we got we got five yesterday in one game. But no one watched something that was pretty planned or pretty hard. A couple of them were lucky goals. I think uh France to London they defended well at times and we were we were quite lucky with a couple of the goals. Um and 
yeah, it just kind of it just kind of came together. We would have liked to get a few more points on the board, maybe, but um, no, nothing that was pre-planned or pre-rehearsed. Just kind of that's the way it fell on the day, I suppose. Kind of an interesting game with uh, brothers playing on opposite sides. How did that work out for them? Yeah, the, the two carbines, they've, uh, they've played against each other before back in 2018. We were over there um, for the championship game and the two boys played against each other. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. They're, they're both kind of wing-back, wing-forward players as well. So there's always a chance that they'll be, they'll be marking each other. They certainly have a few encounters on the day. But look, I think it's actually it's nice one for the family. I think uh, more so than that, especially when we were over there for the championship game. Um, nice occasion for the family to kind of come over and support two lads playing, playing together on the same pitch. It's, it's an unusual one, not one you get too often in the GAA. So, um, yeah, nice for, nice for those lads. And I don't think there's, there's too much of a bitter rivalry there yet anyway. Uh, what's it like going over to London for? I know when it's championship, there's probably a bit more fanfare around it, and it's the height of the summer. But when it's January and you've kind of you're, you're rushing to get a flight, then get a flight back home, then back into work, what is it like going over there during the league? Ah, yeah. Look, logistically, it's not ideal. I suppose you know you're kind of you're getting over there on a, on Saturday, and then you've got hours to get in the hotel and whatnot, and so on. But you're just trying to keep it, I suppose, as as close to the routine that you have for. For an away game here, you know, and so trying to keep it as trying to keep yourself occupied on a Saturday, do things that you probably normally do at home, and not get too not get too much outside your own routine. But it does take a toll on lads, I suppose. Probably not too bad for me. I'm Dublin-based myself, so when we flew back last night, I was back in bed within probably half an hour. But uh, the lads had to hop on a bus and go home to Sligo, so it's um, yeah, from a recovery point of view, it takes a toll. Like there'll be a lot of a lot of tired bodies this morning, definitely. Does it, does it mean that players have to take a, maybe a Monday off work? Do you, would play, people have to take a day off work just to, for this game? Yeah, there would be a couple of lads who would have who would have booked a day off to get that extra bit of recovery in. You know, you're kind of you're back in the pitch training tomorrow night, trying to get your gym work done, trying to get the head right again for for next weekend. So yeah, a couple of lads definitely um, would have tried to prioritize today as a day to, to get a bit of rest and recovery in. Definitely. Um, and then there's lads, I suppose, you can't do that. You don't have the luxury of being able to take that day or that morning off. So I have to get up this morning and, and face into it again. So from that point of view, it's not ideal. But um, I think this this day and age, lads are well kind of accustomed to, to what they need to do for recovery and whatnot. So it's um, not too bad. Uh, in terms of the mark, obviously, is the big talking point going into was was the big talking point going into this weekend. We haven't seen... Uh, and too many controversies with it so far. But what were you, are your thoughts on it? I, I suppose teams have taken a while to get used to it. It's probably not uh, tactically too important at the minute. But I think there's probably maybe scope for uh, any lads in the full forward line probably happy to see it come in. Maybe that they might get a bit of more freedom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose I have kind of mixed emotions about it. Um, as a, I suppose as a, as a supporter, uh, I would be against it. Um, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a step in the right direction for, for our game, to be honest. As a as an inside forward player, it, it might work out to my advantage throughout the year, so I'm not going to go out too much about it. But um yeah, no, I don't think it's um I don't think it's addressing any real issue. Um I think it's gonna really take like obviously within last year in the league, a different slightly different variation of it. Um and no team or no coach really put too much emphasis on it knowing that it was going to be gone for championship I think this year you might see a little bit more and it's probably going to take a year or 18 months before you really see some of those some like you know 
smart, innovative coaches really working around it, how they can best use it to their advantage. And you won't know, like, you know, um, there's going to be implications of it that we probably won't see for for a season or a season and a half. Um, and, and some team might begin to start, start exploiting it to their best advantage. And I think it's a tricky one for refs as well. I know a few of the refs have been outspoken about how difficult it is to gauge the 20 metres and then you're trying to keep an eye on the 45 and you're trying to keep an eye on what's going on inside. And yeah, it's just another, I suppose, another thing for them to try and keep their eye on that, that they don't need. There's enough for, there's enough for the refs in fairness to be, to be trying to watch out during a game without having to try and be calculating what, what 20 metres look like, especially if it's a, a diagonal kick or a kick laterally across the line, things like that. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a tricky one. As you said, it wasn't too much this weekend. Um, there were one or two marks. In a, in a lot of the league games, but nothing too controversial. But I think we could see um, one. I think we could see a controversial issue definitely before the end of the league, and there might be a little bit of attention brought to it then. But um, no, so far it seems to be working out okay for them. In the in the build up to the first round, there seemed to be a bit of confusion about what exactly the rules were. The, the J left it very late to actually clarify some of the points on it. When we when would you have found out exactly what the rules were going to be? Yeah, so last week there was um, there was a few pieces written in the media about, you know, I think uh, some of the refs um, had a meeting and they clarified a few of the rules with the GAA, but definitely for a lot of pre-season games, you know, kind of FBA or even pre-season friendly games, there was a lot of uh, confusion there around what exactly the rules were, whether the ref was blowing a whistle when an inside player caught the ball, or whether the player had to signal first before the whistle was blown. Um, to what extent was a defender allowed to tackle when the player caught the ball? Um, those kind of things were there was a little bit of um, confusion. And even pick out one that seemed quite simple, but um, you know the ball traveling 13 meters, traveling outside the D, players not being allowed inside the D or outside the D. There was a little bit of little bit of confusion around that in the preseason competitions. But I think they've all been kind of uh, kind of ironed out now at this stage. Just I suppose how consistently they'll be they'll be enforced. Uh, in terms of the other big change, obviously this year as well, is the uh, tier two championship coming in that Sligo will be in if when the, if they get knocked out of Connacht. Last year we were talking to Niall Murphy, who obviously has taken a year out. Uh, this year with Sligo, he kind of was he wasn't he was a bit on the fence about whether they should come in uh, or whether a second tier should come in. He said you know he didn't want the the teams you know to be graded or at least get a chance in that A championship, which you're kind of getting I suppose with the provincial championships, but at the same time. It's a tricky one. I don't know how many teams that either are in favour, if you are in favour now, you obviously have to live with it. Is it an aim that it's trying to, trying to get back-to-back promotions in the league to get up and be guaranteed in that A Championship or is it concentrate more on the Connacht Championship to try and get to the, the, the final and guarantee yourself then that you'll get into the back door in the Tier 1? Yeah, the, the two tiers is a, is a kind of a tricky one. Um, I suppose there's been talk about it for so long now. Um, over the years, uh, my Opinions on it have changed. There's been some years I've thought, yeah, look, it's a good idea. It needs to come in with other years that you kind of, you know, it, it might be a step in the wrong direction. Um, look, I think on a personal level, I think yeah, a two-tier championship is, is a step forward. I think it's a step in the right direction. The format that it takes, I'm not 100% convinced about the, the current format. Um, I know there's been a lot of different formats kind of banded about in the media and people on Twitter and whatnot. Um, speaking about different formats that they, they'd like to see. Um, but look, you're never going to get one that, that suits everybody. In terms of in terms of how best to, to guarantee your place in it, I suppose for a lot of for a lot of counties now, outside of Division One really, the league has been 
the main priority for for a number of years now. Um, and I think that won't change, especially for your Division Four and Three teams. It's it's kind of all about promotion in the league. So during during a promotion for us, it would have to be kind of back to back or something like that. But I think you'll have a definitely a lot of uh, competition in Division Three next this year, looking to looking to get into that Division Two and kind of solidify the place in in the in the Tier One Championship because it's definitely a, a place and there's a lot of a lot of teams, particularly there in Division Three this year, who would see themselves as, as top tier teams, um, and they won't want to be they won't want to be playing Tier Two football in the summer. So it will add a, it will add a nice little edge to, to those leagues, definitely. Um, and look, the, the provincial championship is is always a nice one. I think if you, I know there's been there's been talk over the years of scrapping it or having it in a different format instead of pre-season competitions or different things like that. But I think any player you talk to, the provincial championship is still a you know, a really valued competition and it's something that definitely a lot of the players would still, still hold a lot of store in. And um, so I think definitely retaining the provincial championship is something that I'd be strongly in favour of. In terms of Tier 2 Championship, does it feel like it's being thrown together like a little bit kind of hastily? I mean, we're, you're, you're what, five months out from it now probably? Like it doesn't even have a name yet. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> watching a lot of a lot of decisions made in the GA, there's talk about it for so long, and then there seems to be a snap decision made on it. Um, yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more about it, to be honest. Like as you said, it doesn't even have a name yet. Um, how much exposure it's going to get in terms of you know when are the games going to be played? Double headers? Um, will there be will there be games televised? Things like that kind of add a little bit of. Um, exposure to the to the whole thing, and I think um, if Kelsey knew a little bit more about that, I was the first year it's going to be it's going to be a tricky one. But I think if Kelsey knew a little bit more, they might kind of take it, you know, more seriously if you like. Because the last thing you want to do is, is have a repeat of the Tommy Murphy Cup, you know. So it's going to be um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And I think there's a lot of bonus on the GA now this year. Um, in terms of sponsorship and exposure for it to try and um, to really make it something that those second-tier counties want to compete in and want to win and it becomes a competitive competition because I think in some formats there's definitely a place there for a second-tier competition for, for Division 3 and Division 4 counties, yeah. Is having it televised a major consideration for for, for like players who will be playing in the Tier 2 Championship? That it, like it adds a bit of prestige? It's something maybe you want to be be a part of more? I think probably for players, it's not a major um, issue, but it goes in terms of supporters and support base. If you're having uh, a tier two championship game, for example, if it's down, we could be playing down in, in Port Leash, or you could be playing down in the south, and you could be playing down in Limerick or something like that. It's not all that easy for, for supporters to get there. Um, and you would like to see a little bit of of extra exposure for, for those Tier two teams who don't who don't often get it and wouldn't have wouldn't have league games televised, for example, and you know they might have a one game one championship game televised every couple of years, and it's nice to bring a little bit of exposure. And like there is there is quite a bit of a bit of good football being played at that level. And I think particularly when you see teams playing against other teams at their own level in the summertime, um, you will get some you will get some decent quality games, and I think it's, um, it's no harm for for the public to see that as well. Uh, Pat, you've recently started up a, a business with David Butler and Killian O'Connor, um, a recruitment business. I was just wondering two questions on it. Was one was that you were a school teacher before? Was it difficult uh, 
decision to make to step away from that career. And secondly, what's it like working with a Mayo man? <laughs> Very good question. Um, yeah, the transition, um, I suppose, was going on for so long. It's something that um, myself and the two lads have been have been working on now for quite a while. Um, probably, probably because of the year before I left the teaching, we were we were kind of working on it behind the scenes and things like that. So, um, from that point of view, when the when the transition came um, to, to kind of step into it full time, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a major step. I suppose the big thing would be. Obviously, the the hours that you work as a teacher are really conducive to training, <laughs> and you're you're out the door at half three every day, and you have your weekends and your summers yourself for for training and playing and whatnot. And when you're working for yourself, I suppose you could be working a hundred hours a week if you really wanted to. And so it does take a little bit of um, of, of time management from that point of view. Um, and yeah, that's something that I'm kind of getting used to and as the as the season rolls on. It's something that will be. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll just definitely take a little bit of a little bit of extra planning. Um, but no, look, it's um, so far so good, and thankfully, Bond uh, has been going all right for so far. So long may continue. Um, in terms of working, with, in, in terms of working with Killian, um, ah, look, it, <laughs> it's gone. We've been Killian. I've been friends for a long number of years now. We were uh, we we lived together when we were in college years ago, and uh, we've been friends for a long time. So it's. Um, this is opposite end of the pitch as you come somewhere of his me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime we play it against each other now, our, our encounters on the field have been few and far between. I don't think either of us are too far, too, too fans of, uh, of going too far back. So we don't want into like each other that much on the pitch. But I don't know what surprises me enough. We don't talk about football too much when we're at work. We kind of, you know, I think you're, when you're playing football, you're, you're kind of engrossed in it so much when you're out there. Sometimes it's nice to kind of, when you get to work, to kind of get a, a bit of a release away from it as well. Pat, thank you very much for talking to us today. No worries, no worries at all. Thanks very much.